You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Here's Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. And, you know, we've been talking about tall tales and half-truths. Uh-huh. Oh, that's the way dinner's going to be this week. <laughs> <laughs> you cheapskate. <laughs> what can I say? Okay. Seriously, Wicks State Place a great place to go oh, yeah. eat. Good Absolutely. Food. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you've got some thank yous, you got to take I care do. of them. I okay. do. Uh, Jeff, a longtime listener, uh, sent me an email uh, expressing his delight in my Spanish. Oh, uh, how well I speak Spanish. There was a lady that called after the program I forgot to tell you about, and she says, please have an interpreter for Ken. <laughs> <laughs> well, he understood, even though I slaughtered the language. See, see. Si, si. yeah. Anyway, another listener, John, he uh, re- wanted to know some of the books that I used for the stories. And then there's uh, a lady by the name of Malia, and her parents have written some books about a guy named Hank Vaughn. And uh, I've heard that. I've heard that name, but anyway, so I'm going to get those books and maybe use those. What uh, was he, uh, Hank Bond? You know, I'd have to look. For some reason, I thought he was a sheriff or something. Boy, that name really sounds familiar. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to get the books that uh, her parents have written and maybe use those uh, uh, in in the show. But, you know, Zeb, I've been, uh, the last two weeks we've talked about Billy the Kid. Oh, and yeah. and once again, I want to thank John LeMay, because he gave me per- permission to use his book on Tall Tales and Half-Truths of Billy the Kid. And he also has this book, Tall Tales and Half-Truths of Pat Garrett. So thank you, John. Uh, so I'm going to talk about uh, Pat Garrett before he killed Billy the Kid. Okay, now. Wasn't Pat Garrett in the cattle business, or didn't he work for a ranch before he became a sheriff? Yeah, and we'll mention that just a little bit. But uh, before he was famous uh, in New Mexico, his name was Patrick Floyd Garrett, and he was a southern gentleman. He was one of seven children. Um, He seemed to have a bit of a temper. One story uh, says that... uh, about his temper, that he once walked three miles in the snow to punch a neighbor boy in the face for beating his dog. Now, this story is probably just as uh, uh, maybe fanciful as Billy the Kid stabbing a boyhood friend in the streets of New York. So, again, maybe did, maybe didn't. So, his father died in 1868. His mother died in 1867. Um... So there was nothing left for Pat in Louisiana. He packed up and headed west in 1869. And what you just mentioned, some say he worked as a cowhand in uh, Dallas County, Texas, and possibly joined several cattle drives uh, from Eagle Lake up to Kansas. So this kid, Pat Garrett, when did he leave home? How old was he? Well, I'm not sure how old he was. Um yeah. yeah uh, but just a young man. Isn't it amazing back in those days that uh, young people, 13, 14, would just leave and be on uh, their own? I'm going to guess he was at least a teenager. Yeah. You know, 
so not very old. But like Billy the Kid, the next few years in Garrett's life are something of a mystery with there was a, quote, Pat Garrity being jailed for intent to murder in Texas who escaped and went on the run. And it's possible that that Garrity isn't actually Garrett because the record keeping back then wasn't all that great. And, you know, they may have misspelled the name. It could have been him. Maybe not. You know, who knows? Can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Please. Did you ever think, even on the TV westerns, when they had all these wanted posters, whether it was the old Gunsmoke show or whatever, and they had the drawings of what the people looked like? Right. How did they know? Well, that's a good question because, you know, let me put it this way, Zeb. If I were the artist, it could have been anybody in the entire world because yep. I do not know how to draw or paint. <clears throat> but uh, well, it's not like the guy's going to stand still and let right, somebody let draw a take picture a picture of, of Right, exactly. But uh, you know, like I say, records weren't all that great. But there also exists a legend that at this time Garrett was arrested by Wyatt Earp. Oh, really? Now this does not come from Garrett, but from come, comes from Wyatt Earp, who says that he and Doc Holliday once arrested Garrett and some other cowboys near Dodge City. Now that is curious because. Earp, you know, how would Earp remember his name? And many say this incident happened when Garrett was already at Fort Sumner. So he was nowhere near Dodge City. That's a long ways from Dodge yeah. City. <clears throat> so, okay, so Wyatt Earp, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Yeah. Now, more reliable sources say that rather than venturing up to Kansas, Garrett stayed in Texas where he began a career as a buffalo hunter. That's okay. possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Garrett threw in with a lot of characters by the name of uh, one named Skeleton or Skelton Glenn and Luther Duke. Now, Where did they come up with these? Yeah, it sounds Skelton, like it sounds Glenn. like the Duke's a hazard. <laughs> yeah. Well, the three guys uh, they stayed around a place called Fort Griffith, which was one of the wildest towns in Texas, and it was in this town where Garrett presumably fell in love with gambling, guns, and whiskey. Uh oh. So that was his true love. So. His first killing isn't quite as legendary as Billy the Kid's, uh, as there aren't as many variations of Garrett's, but it was still talked about a lot among the old-timers. So the way it goes like this, there was a young victim, uh, an Irishman, named Joe Briscoe. Now, one cold night, uh, uh, they were together on a hunting party, and they sat around a fire, and this Briscoe, who had been trying to do his laundry in a cold, dirty river, came up to warm his hands. And he was complaining all along about the cold water. Well, Garrett remarked that only a, quote, darned Irishman, uh-huh. unquote, would uh-huh. be so stupid as to try and wash anything in a muddy river. Well, this remark sent Briscoe into a kind of a frenzy, and he began charging at Garrett. I see. Attacking him. With his cold hands. With his cold hands. Garrett was fending off his attack. Briscoe picked up an axe and began to chase Garrett around the camp. Wait a minute. He picked up an axe? Picked up an axe. Well, Boy, he'd have had me. Yeah. (laughs) He wouldn't have made it. (laughs) But getting his hands on his trusty Winchester, Garrett uh, dispatched Briscoe. With the axe. No, no, with his Winchester. Yeah, but Briscoe had the axe. Briscoe had the axe. Not a match. No. Now. 
let's keep going with the half truths, tall tales. Okay. Garrett was reportedly very upset over the killing and spent the whole rest of the night riding his horse alone. The next day, he turned himself in at Fort Griffin, but as that was considered self-defense, Garrett was charged with nothing. And naturally, as like with Billy the Kid's killings, there are alternative tales depending on the tailor, teller of the story. So, in one version, now I just told you one version, right, Zeb? So here's another version, that the dying Briscoe calls out to Garrett and says, quote, I'm dying, Pat, won't you come over here and forgive me? Well, and those words were supposed to haunt him till the end of his days. Now, another anonymous tell uh, also said that Garrett was merely drunk and overbearing and shot poor Briscoe for no reason. That sounds more logical. Yeah. Uh, another guy, Frank Lloyd, said he really killed the kid to keep from paying him his wages. Really? So there you have, what, four versions? Here's another one. Uh, Garrett supposedly came upon a half-grown boy washing something in a buffalo wallow just west of a place called Tivin, New Mexico. Pat asked the kid, do you expect to get anything clean in that muddy water? Now, this is Briscoe, right? Uh, yeah, okay. still the Briscoe. Okay, Briscoe. And he says, it's my handkerchief. And I guess the young man responded a little, a little bit too smart-alecky, kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, pretty smart, ain't you, said uh, Garrett, and just shot him dead. So, there's about five versions of what could have, or per- maybe never did happen. I was just going to say, maybe never did happen, yeah. because who really was there to verify? Exactly. I mean, there were people there, and they all said, okay, this is the way it happened. Another one said, no, this is the way it yeah. happened. So... Anyway, so later on, there was a war called Hunter's War in Texas, near present-day Lubbock. And there, Garrett and this skeleton Glenn and around 50 others fought a battle against a band of Comanches. On February 1st, 1877, a group of Comanches raided Glenn's camp. They destroyed and burned about 800 buffalo hides, which was around $1,000 back then in damage. And they stole the horses. Well, when Glenn and Garrett, both of whom were not there during the raid, found the campsite, Glenn was mad. He insisted that they track down the Comanches. The result was the battle at a place called Yellow House Canyon, which concluded with the white men running from the Indians with their lives. So they so they went after the Indians. Yeah, and got and, chased away. And they got chased away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they never made it. Now, do you think that's true? I think that's a possibility, yes. Because think, there was more than one person. Right, because there. there was a hunting camp. Yeah. You know, there was a group of men. So I think that could have been passed down okay. Yeah, you know, I can imagine them going after the Comanches, and then all of a sudden after the first shot, oops. Uh, let's, maybe we better go back the other way. <laughs> now, Pat parted ways with his partners during a stop in Fort Sumner later that year. Uh, reportedly after the trio were flat broke from gambling. Uh, ironically, one of the first people Pat spoke to was a guy named Pete Maxwell. Now, four years later, Garrett would be the one using Maxwell in his search for Billy the Kid. And in fact, Garrett would barge in and wake up Maxwell, who was sleeping in his bedroom on the night of July 14, 1881, only a few minutes before shooting the kid. So he met this Maxwell guy about four years beforehand. Really? Yeah. Now, sources claim that Billy was the first person Pat met in Fort Sumner. Now, one story says Billy first met a haggard, down-on-his-luck Pat Garrett and his partner, Skelton Glenn, uh, at a bar. 
And at the time, Pat was without boots and wearing some trousers too small for his long legs. He was kind of tall, you know. When the kid looked him over, he reportedly said, you may be a man, but you sure don't look like one. Well, Billy... Yeah, Billy had a knack for really creating a lack of friendship. He he was tactful. So Billy let this pitiful Garrett join his gang and took Pat to the trader and outfitted him. An old-timer, Frank Lloyd, said, quote, Pat went to Fort Sumner, was broke, and Billy the Kid bought him some clothes. An unnamed sheriff said, quote, I remember one time he, Billy, gave Pat Garrett his horse and saddle and bedding and had to steal another outfit for himself. John Allred, another guy, claimed that Billy had been a friend to Pat the moment he stepped into the county and even secured a horse for him. But when did Pat become a sheriff? Uh, a little bit, just a little later. I see. Uh, yeah, oh. just a little later. Uh, but anyway, George Coe, uh, and, and according to John LeMay, not always a reliable witness. Here we go. <laughs> a participant to the Lincoln War and a friend to the kid also claimed that the duo... Pat and Billy were good friends. That's what I thought. Yeah. Now, Paulita Maxwell, the kid's alleged girlfriend, told a guy named Walter uh, Walter Burns, quote, Pat Garrett was as close a friend as Billy the Kid had in Fort Sumner and was on friendly terms with every member of the kid's gang. When we saw Pat and Billy together, we used to call them the long and short of it. Because, you know, Billy was short. He's pretty Pat short. was tall. Yeah. Uh, he ate, drank, and played cards with the kid, and went to dances with him, and gallivanted around town. I have seen them both on their knees around a horse blanket, stretched on the ground, in the main street, gambling their heads off against a Monty game. Eventually, Pat and Billy were said to collectively be known as Big Casino and Little Casino. No kidding. Often seen gambling in the streets together, and when one was down on his luck, the other would come along and back him. So, you know, I don't think, and I didn't realize how close they were as friends until I got into this story. Now, is this verified? Uh, I'm just going to say as best as we know. I see. And again, John LeMay does a good job of bringing out as close to the facts as possible. Now, the untold saga of Pat Garrett likely concocted by the author Earl Seavers rather than any old-timer says that Billy and Pat first met at a dance in Silver City wherein the former saves the latter's life, where Billy saves Pat's life. Pat evidently was dancing with a Mexican gal, really pretty. There was a guy named Noah Moffat who didn't appreciate that. And Garrett, who was supposed to be slower than molasses in January, on the draw. That's pretty slow. (laughs) That's pretty slow. Well, coming to the rescue is Billy the Kid, who Uh shouts, quote, Everybody says to this Noah guy, you've got a big mouth, Mr. Moffat, when it comes to riding somebody who don't know which end of a gun the smoke comes out of. (laughs) Referring to Pat. I love the language. Like right now, trying to ache Garrett into a draw you know doggone well he can't make. Doggone? And that's what it says right here, Zeb. Oh, okay. It does say that. Now, suppose you prove to these people here they got the wrong idea, that you ain't scared to draw on anybody such as me. Well, Moffat's face turned white as a sheet, and he was clearly frightened by the kid. He tried to walk his way out, talk his way out of the situation. The kid and the crowd encouraged Moffat to draw on the kid. Not smart. When he finally did, you know the end, Billy blew him away. And uh, Garrett said, I'm obliged, shook hands with Billy, 
And so this beautiful friendship that uh, included hunting game in Old Mexico, hours drinking and gambling at the Black Aces Saloon, exploring the ruins of old missions, and even going on double dates together, or so it uh, so it did according to the uh, there was. A, what John says is a fallacy-ridden article that also claims President Roosevelt didn't reappoint Garrett as a collector of customs in El Paso in 1905 because he learned that Garrett had shot his best friend, Billy the Kid, in the dark. How old was Billy when all this was going on? Oh, gosh. Do you remember? I don't. Uh, I don't. And I'm not sure if he's younger or The reason or I'm older. asking is they didn't check IDs at the bars, did they? <laughs> they didn't. She didn't pull out your driver's license. So to turn to some more factual accounts, uh, uh, such as Garrett's working for Pete Maxwell, uh, uh, who didn't like Garrett, actually. Uh, he has a different account uh, regarding how Garrett joined up with the Maxwell outfit. And this is what, what uh, this uh, Anaya said about this. He said, one day about 10 o'clock in the morning, we were branding when Pat Garrett arrived and entered the corral and he was watching how we branded the calves. He was very poorly dressed and looked like a tramp. He was wearing a very soft cap, a very torn coat, suede pants and shoes like a moccasin. After watching us work for a while, he offered to hold the calf by the feet and then he kept helping us until almost 11 o'clock. The next day, he came again to the corral and entered without anybody saying anything to him, and he set up to help us. He helped us until the branding was finished, which took two days. This was all that Pat, Pat Garrett worked for uh, Don Pedro or Pete Maxwell on the cattle ranch, and he was never hired on as a cowboy. We've got a caller with a question. Real quick, caller. I'm down to the last three minutes. Go ahead. Yes, quickly. I've been watching a series lately that shows Pat Garrett as carrying two guns and doing a cross draw. Do you know if that's factual? I'll hang up. Thank you. I do not know if that's true, but based on what they say that he was slower than molasses going uphill in January on the draw, I don't know. I I, I can't say that he was a fast draw, even if he had two guns. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've never heard that before, and I know this lady that called, and she really is a Western history buff and yeah. enjoys that. But as far as Pat Garrett being a cross draw with two pistols, from what I've read, it was lucky if he could pull one. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, whatever the case, uh, Pat was actually known as Juan Largo, or Long John, and was a popular guy, and much like, like the kid, uh, he was kind of a source of amazement for the locals. Uh, Garrett's future friend uh, named Upson would one day write in an article, quote, in addition to being long-headed, he is also long-legged, his fu- full height being somewhat under 10 feet. <laughs> somewhat under 10. I have forgotten the exact measurements. <laughs> anyway, Garrett married uh, Juan Gutierrez in 1877 by justice of the peace, but she never did like that because she was Catholic and it she wanted to be married in a Catholic church, but she died almost immediately after they were married. She wouldn't eat her mushrooms? No. The poison and Bill, mushrooms? And Billy, uh, or no, Billy attended the, the wedding. And uh, so what happened was uh, after she died, evidently Pat married uh, Juanita's sister, uh, Apolitinaria Gutierrez. Ooh, you made it through that. I did. I went quick. Uh, anyway, they... Uh, uh, got married and uh, so but I've only got a couple of uh, I got a minute left here but do you honestly Dr. History sitting here on this March 1st believe 
that Pat Garrett shot Billy the Kid. Oh, Zeb, you keep asking me this. <laughs> I, I'm leaning about 80% yes. Are you? Yeah. For what reason? Uh, because he was a lawman or another reason? Just all the studying I've done, I just, I just feel, I just lean more towards that he did. But, you know, I've got a quote in here I want to end with. Uh, Billy was said to have remarked, quote, this Pat Garrett is a bigger thief than me. Hmm. <laughs> Do you suppose he might have shot Billy because he was afraid Billy might spill the beans? Well, now that's another thought, because yeah. Billy obviously knew a lot more about Pat Garrett yeah. than anybody else. Yeah. So, very, very possible. And what about the girlfriend of Billy and the wife of uh, Pat Garrett? Did they ever come forward and say anything? Uh, not that I know of. Let me show you a picture of Pat Garrett. Yeah, let me see. Th- there's a picture of Pat he Garrett. He looked like Ichabod Crane. Kind of, uh, kind of yeah. I Long mean, neck and... yeah. You know, yeah. it looks like he t- could be tall. Give him a pumpkin and a horse and let him run through Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I have another picture, but you can't really see it. Okay, this is real Pat, quick. Pat Garrett at a cattle drive, and he's one of the guys in this picture. He's one of the, guy, one of the guys in the I picture. I think on the far left, but I you see. can't really see him. And this was about, what, 1885? Uh, yeah. Yeah, about 1875. I see. Yep. Okay, well, the burning question is, did... Pat Garrett, shoot <laughs> Billy the Kid. And we'll leave it at that. Film at 11. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.